heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he had rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of our Lord. All right. Well, let me just say that I'm glad you're here. And uh, we're talking about uh, the Sabbath and rest today, so I can tell all those people who are out enjoying the sun this afternoon, they missed the important message. No. Uh, and let me just say that I am really glad that you're here today, and also to those who are going to watch this, that are watching this live or later, that we're also glad you could join us in our current series. We've gone all the way back to the beginning. Uh, it's an easy one to, to find if you've brought your Bible. You know, you can just kind of go right there to the very start. And we're looking at the origin of all things found in the book of Genesis, specifically the first 11 chapters. And that's kind of been our focus and will be for the next few weeks or maybe months. Uh, and just to kind of recap a little bit of where we're at, um, for me and for you, uh, as we, when, when we kind of started this series, we really start at the beginning of everything, right? It's at the beginning of everything. Before there's anything, we see in the beginning, God. I always like that, that kind of, uh, just this phrase, in the beginning, God. Saying that before there was anything, God was already there. Before anything came into existence, He existed. He's there outside of time, outside of all matter. And He is the founder of everything. Everything is, really comes out of Him. He's the, all things find their origin in him ultimately and he brought all things into existence and he it is he who holds everything together by his power and authority and we went through the six days of creation I tried to show that I know that there's some different understandings and I do think there is some room for understandings within the text and I tried to kind of show some of those places where I do think there's room for interpretation, uh, not knowing that not everyone's going to see it exactly the same, but the key that we talked about is we want to approach it with faith. And I would give that as just a general rule when you're reading scripture, approach it with faith. It's God's word, it's God's authority, and we want to approach it seeing it that way because it is on that basis that that we have our own truth of our salvation, right? And the faith that we have in that, that Jesus Christ did what he said he would do. And so I had said all that, and I just want to reemphasize that I do believe there's a very good reason to approach the text as it is written. There's no literary reason to interpret it any other way. We kind of just put that in there uh, because of other understandings. So I would say the key, though, either way, however you approach it, what's absolutely essential when we're looking at the book of Genesis is that it is God. It is God who brought things into existence by his power and authority alone, right? It's not anything else. He didn't get any help. It's not him plus something else. It's not a natural flow of creation in itself. It is God who brought everything into existence. The Bible is clear about that, and it is he who holds it together. And then we last week, we spent a little bit of extra time on the sixth day, especially the last part, because we see this kind of very special creation of us, humanity, and God certainly did do something special when he created mankind. For apart from 
All of creation, we alone are made in the image of God, as we talked about last week. And we have been set apart for a purpose. There's a reason why we have been made the way we have. And we are also set above creation, right? Given dominion, as it says in the text that we read last week. So we are image bearers of God, given the purpose to glorify him and to have communion with him. So that's kind of where we are coming up to now. And now we get to day seven, day seven, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host with them. So the work's done. It's finished, right? You ever get to the end of the week and think, oh, thank God, it's over. It's finished. It's kind of the feeling of the text here. It's finished. It's good. I'm done. It's time to rest. It's weekend time. All the hosts of heaven, right? We talked about that when we went through the six days. That's not just, that's like everything, man. Everything out there in the universe. And we have all of the earth from the depths of the sea to the sky above. Every living creature from single cell organisms to the complexities of life in our human bodies. It's finished. And God, God says at the end of creation, it is very good. It is very good. I love that. Not just good. All the other days get good. But by the end, he looks and says, it is very good. And then we get to verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. So I thought today we'll maybe just bring it down into the practical. We'll look at this really practically. We'll have the ushers maybe pass out some pillows, some blankets. We're just going to go in comfortable, take a nap, rest, right? We want to rest. No, no, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, yes, that sounds great. Let's do that. When it comes to our need for rest and this understanding of rest and having a day of rest, there's been a lot of different understandings. We're going to try to unpack some of that today. Uh, I've heard people say this. For some reason, it's hard for me to say this without sounding a bit Southern because it's Maybe just because I hear it, heard it mostly in Texas. But like, you know, if God needed to, to rest on the seventh day, you better believe you're going to need to rest too. So that's my Texas accent for you. Uh, and as if to say, hey, even God needs a day off, right? So, you know, we should take a day of rest as well. You can try to use that next time your boss is asking you to work on a Sunday. Say, hey, God needed rest, so so do I. Let's see how that goes. Now, is there any truth to that? Is there any truth to that? Well, obviously we can ask the question, or if we ask the obvious question there, did God need rest? Was God feeling tired? No, of course not. God does not need rest. God does not get tired. God didn't need, God didn't even break a sweat when he made all things. No matter what you believe, specifically about Genesis 1 or how you read through that, those first few chapters, the way in which the text is written, we see God as able to bring all things into existence with ease. He's not strained or stressed. He's not worried, hoping things are going to work out. Oh, I, hope it, I hope this turns out the way I hoped, as we kind of feel. That's how I feel when I'm baking something. I don't know how this is going to go. God didn't feel that way. God does not fail. God does not try to do things. If God wants something done, it happens. It happens. Even to the point of bringing all things into existence simply by speaking it as we see in the text. God is that big. 
God is that big, and we can we can we certainly don't want to limit God or our understanding of God or have a tainted view of Him when it comes to this idea, because we trust in Him for everything. We trust in Him for our salvation. We believe in Him as our Creator, not just our, but the Creator of everything, and we put our hope in Him for our future. Right? It is in Him that we have our hope. So I'm thankful that the God of the Bible does not need rest. Right? Or sleep. He is ever-present. He's always faithful. He never is too tired. Can you imagine? You get up in the middle of the night, you're having a bad dream, you're really stressed, and you're like praying, and it's like giving God a phone call, and he's like, oh, jeez, Louise. Do you know what time it is? I'm trying to, I get days off too. No, God doesn't need days off. He doesn't need rest. He's always there. We can be thankful for that. Amen? All right. Some of you are awake. That's good. I was just kidding about the nap, guys. Come on. So if the text cannot mean that God was tired or that God needed rest, then what does it mean that God rested? What is that? What's going on here? Verse 3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, in order for us to understand this text, let's just bring ourselves a little bit into the context, what's going on here and maybe into the narrative of what's happening, God has literally just finished creation, right? We went through that a little bit in the intro. It, so this is, this is really not the end of, of God's creation. That was day six, right? On day six, he says it was very good. It's done. He finished the work. So then what is this? What's well, the beginning of something? This is the beginning of something. And you can note, if you maybe you notice this, but if you look at day seven, there's something different from the other days. And all of day one through six, it ends with this refrain, and it was evening and it was morning. So we see this kind of, okay, that day has come to an end, and now the next day begins. But this day doesn't have an end. Day seven doesn't have an end. God's rest doesn't have an end. It's the beginning of something. So if God is beginning something, then what is he beginning? What is, what is beginning here? What is this rest? What does it mean? Well, when we look ahead into chapter 2, which we're not going to do exactly because we're going to be going through that next couple weeks. So, but if we look ahead, after this, we kind of see this kind of, we're going to see this like focused telling of the creation of man and woman, right? It's not different from chapter one. It's just a very concentrated look where we get to expand how that looked as he created man and woman, which we'll look at in a few weeks. But we see God in that, we see God in perfect communion with the pinnacle of his creation mankind, man and woman. And we know that God communed with Adam and Eve. He walked with them in the garden. He enjoyed conversation with them. And I believe without too much of a stretch, we can imagine him simply resting, enjoying the beauty, the peace, and the glory of creation along with them. It's this beautiful image. This is God's rest. This is God's rest found a quote I liked that kind of pointed this well, pointed this out well. God, having completed his work of creation, rests as if to say, this is the destiny of those who are my people, to rest as I rest and to rest in me. That's what God began. The first thing we see established 
This beginning of something on day seven is the perfect image of our ideal existence. Our ideal existence, which is to live in communion with our creator in perfect rest. In perfect rest. Now, of course, you think, well, that doesn't sound like the world I live in. Yeah, it's not. Uh, things go badly in a, just a couple chapters after. And only one chapter, really. Uh, things change as, as disobedience comes into play and sin enters into uh, humanity through Adam and Eve's sin shortly after this. And this rest, this idea, this ideal rest is broken. Now, the good news is, so we've talked about all the way back in the first week, God knows. None of it was a surprise for him. He already had a plan, right? We kind of talked about how we look at the beginning in Genesis, especially Genesis, uh, first few chapters of Genesis, and we look at Revelation, and we see that, hey, God, God's just basically, he knew there was going to be this detour, but he's going to get us back to that place in the end. God knew this would happen. And I don't know if you've noticed this, if you read through your Bible, especially the Old Testament, God... It says a lot of things about remembering. Remember this. Remember who, the, who took you out of Egypt. Remember this. Remember, remember the Passover. Remember these different feasts and, and festivals. Remember the Sabbath. He wants them to remember things, right? And in fact, all of the feasts, the festivals, the Passover, all of these were reminders of something that God had done, right? Sometimes it was reminders of things that God had done in the past, and sometimes it was reminders of the promises about the future. And a lot of times it was both. Uh, kind of mixed together. God knows that we tend to forget things. We forget, we get stuck in our, our cycles, we get stuck in our week. So God established something to help us remember every single week. So God established the seven-day week, and it's purposeful. It has a meaning behind it, that this seventh day is set as a reminder of what was Right in that in the creation, right when you see him in perfect communion with the with mankind in the garden, and what is, which is going to be lost, but then we kind of see a bit of that redeemed through Christ. We'll talk about later, and what will be when everything is restored. God rested after his work, not because he was sleepy, but to give us a pattern, a structure of time to keep us grounded in our work week, keep us grounded in where we are, and to have us constantly coming back to these reminders, to keep us grounded in our work, and to show us an example of the blessing of rest. Right? You get to the end of the week, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, made it. I'm ready for rest. To enjoy the blessing of rest. This is ultimately found through communion with him, through communion with him. Now, this is God's design, and we see the seven-day work week really just ingrained in humanity. I find this really fascinating, uh, which we won't have time to unpack, but it's really just something that's kind of ingrained in us. We think in these intervals of seven days, and we're kind of just designed to work that way. Uh, There's been several attempts throughout history to change that. There was one attempt to change to a 10-day work week. didn't work. And you could say, well, yeah, okay, maybe it was just too much against the grain or whatever. And that might be true, but I think God's way just usually seems to be the best. And it seems just ingrained in us, this kind of seven-day week, five days of work and a day of rest. And this also connects us with God as bearers of his image, right? That we are image bearers of God. So for God, 
is the one who established this principle, established this idea of the seven days through his own example, right? And no other creatures operate on a seven-day cycle except us, right? We know that a lot of creatures have different kinds of cycles, but we don't see anywhere else this seven-days cycle that we have. We, as being created in the image of God, operate within this realm as we have been designed to do, made in the image of God, following his example, having six days of work and a day of rest. Now, is this still relevant for us today? Let's get into, because some of you are already thinking about, a lot of you have different understandings about the law and how we honor the Sabbath. What about honoring the Sabbath and where does that fit in? Uh, through the law, the Sabbath is established, and that's this kind of, this the law of, of resting, right? Where it was actually forbidden to work on the seventh day. Uh, so then we could ask, well, then today are we in sin if we work on the Sabbath? Is that still apply to us? And of course, Sabbath means seventh day, right? So it's not Sunday. It was this, it was our Saturday is the seventh day. And Sunday is the actual first day of the week. So should Saturday be the day of rest or should, has it been changed now to Sunday? As some have said, uh, Sunday, of course, being the first day of the week or the day of the Lord in reference to Jesus, the day being, it being the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So before we get into any of that, those questions specifically, let's take a step back because I think it's important that we don't lose sight of the purpose, the original purpose. That helps us to understand. We don't want to fall into the realm of the Pharisees who like, you know, were hating Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath, getting bogged down with the rules of where, where can I do and what can I do and what, what am I allowed to lift and not lift and They had added all of these things and misunderstood the purpose. So let's get back there. Let's make sure we understand that. What's the purpose? It's rest. It's communion. It's peace with our creator. The Old Testament law of the Sabbath was given so the people would never forget the importance of finding this rest, taking time to enjoy the goodness of God. And we see this idea of Sabbath then stretches beyond the seven days, and then you also have every seven years the land would have rest, and we won't get into all of that because this isn't a message on the Sabbath specifically. Stay with our text here. But we see this establishment of that to show the importance of finding rest, right? Taking time. This is why God made one day set apart, and he made it holy. Some translations say he sanctified it, which I really like, as a gift to man that we would have rest and be replenished for the week ahead. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, as Jesus says in Mark 2.27. It is so that man would look back to creation where we see God saying, it is very good. And we can look back and say, hey, it was really good. Look at this communion they had. And then we can also look ahead when all things are again restored and it will be very good again. That's the purpose, right? I told you last week the story of the Bible is a story of creation, God's perfect creation. It's rebellion, right? And things kind of go downhill. And then we have redemption through Jesus Christ And then finally, we'll have restoration where that very good is restored again in the end. So God established the Sabbath law as a promise, a sign. Let's read Exodus 31, 13. God is saying, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, 
for this is a sign. This is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. That I, the Lord, sanctify you. See, the Sabbath is a sign between God's people and himself. A reminder that it is the Lord who sanctifies. He says, here, I'm making this day holy. I'm setting it apart. And it's a a sign that shows you that I am also the one who sets you apart. Just as I made this day holy, I make you holy. It was God who made his people holy, who chose them as the Israel, chose the Israelites as his chosen people. Right? It certainly was not their actions. And when you read through the Old Testament, you're like thinking, wow, these were not the, not the greatest choice. What, what were you thinking, God? They're making mistakes all the time, getting lost. They're going again. They're, they're rebelling against them all the time, Disobe- and disobedience all of the time, which is where we get one of my favorite kind of mentalities within what we see in Scripture when it comes to God towards us, and that's his steadfast love, that he has this steadfast love for us. God remains faithful, loving his people, calling them to himself and making them holy, setting them apart because he has decided they are his. That's what we see in the Old Testament story. And we have this today through Jesus Christ. The work of bringing people into God's rest, sanctifying his people, has not ceased. It's not stopped. He has continued this work today. So do we then need to continue to honor the Sabbath law? Some of you are like, just tell me the answer. Do we need to honor the Sabbath law? I would say no. Not in that sense. No. And I'll tell you why. Because we're not under the law. We're not under the law. The Bible is very clear about this. We have been redeemed through Jesus Christ, and Jesus fulfills the law of the Sabbath. And in the New Testament, there's no command to honor the Sabbath. Some of you are like, what? Are you sure? If you find it, let me know. But as I've seen, there's no command. But we do have this in Galatians 5, 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And I would say, for those who, and if you are in this, you can come and talk to me after. I can give you some more passages to look at. But if somebody says, hey, you know, you have to obey the Sabbath. You have to, you know, you have to honor it. You can't do any work. We're in Germany, so like try mowing your grass on a Sunday, and you will hear people giving you a good speech on why you need to honor the Sabbath, or at least they're quiet. But if people are in that, you can say, hey, you know what? That's, that's slavery. <laughs> I'm not under slavery. I've been set free. We don't need to live like that. We have been set free. We are no longer, we no longer do things out of obligation or bondage because we're not under the law. Right? Now, we're going to get to, it's, there's still some good in honoring this. We'll get to that. Some of you are like, oh boy, what is this? What is he talking about? Let me read another one, though, just to kind of hammer this in. Colossians 2, 16 through 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow. They're a shadow of things to come. They're not the real thing, right? What's the real thing? But the substance belongs to Christ. The substance belongs to Christ. The Sabbath was established as a reminder of the importance of rest. And if you know 
the people of Israel, again, they were in constant disobedience. So God couldn't just establish some kind of guideline for them. He gave them the law because it was that important, right? Because it was that important. And a part of this was because it was necessary to rest, right? We need that. We need rest. But it's also a foreshadowing. It was a foreshadowing of what would be established through Christ. Christ is the substance of this rest promised in this foreshadowing of the Sabbath law. So we're not, I have Christ. I'm not under the Sabbath law because I have the real thing. Who wants to have the faith? Who wants to have the shadow when you can have the real thing? If you prefer that, that's good. Go, you know, good, you know, you do you, but I'm going to take Christ because he's the substance of the rest. He's the substance of the truth behind why they established these laws. God's ultimate plan was not to just force people to put down the shovel. You know, hey, don't worry, put that shovel down. Hey, you need to put close the laptop. It's a day of rest. That wasn't what it was about. It was so humanity would never lose sight of the rest that was promised. The future rest that was promised. The rest first established in creation, in that perfect image, right, that we see of God in communion with his, with his people, his creations. Later, that's lost due to disobedience and then regained through Christ. The rest we receive is the sanctifying work of God through Christ. So we no longer look to a sign of God's establishment of his sanctifying work between him and his people because this is no longer a future promise, but a present reality. It's a present reality. We experience it. We live it as we live in Christ. And it's so much better. Oh, we have it really good. We live in a great time, a glorious time, a time of redemption. And this is what we were made for, what we were designed for. When we step into this and we begin to understand it, we really see that I I know God because I am known by God. I have communion with him. Or as Augustine says it, thou hast made us for thyself and our hearts are restless. Ever feel restless, anxious? Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Our hearts are restless. We're roaming, we're uncertain, we're anxious until we find that true rest that is only found in Christ. And everything before in the Old Testament, in the law of the Sabbath, was a foreshadowing of that rest. It's a good rest. So the rest we experience is the rest first established in God's very good creation. So let's bring that into us today. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So there we go. We're in the new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So through our relationship with Jesus, we enter into the new creation. And later we will then experience, of course, the full restoration of creation. New heaven, new earth, also new body. Uh, so we're not there yet. Uh, and as new creatures in Christ, though, we receive spiritual rest in every moment. In every moment. This is important to grasp. Because we need rest. You need rest. And you have it always right there for you. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Some of you will know this one. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's Jesus talking. I will give you rest. Take 
my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The rest we have today is the kind of communion with God established in creation. And today we are new creatures in Christ. And at any moment I can come in communion with my Father through prayer. Any moment. Every moment. I can lay my burdens at the feet of Jesus and he brings me peace. I know this to be true. I know the rest I have. I know that I have been sanctified through the work of the Spirit. Do you know that? Do you have rest today? Because this is what you need to have strength to encourage you, to give you what you need to get through life. And we live in a time right now of redemption, right? So some of these things have been redeemed. Our, this communion we have with our Father has been redeemed. It's there. You have it. You have access to it. The peace and the rest of God is always available to us. We can have peace that surpasses understanding. We can have joy in the midst of trouble and tribulation because of the rest we have and the communion we have with our Father. But I will say, I will add, we're not there yet. We don't live in a time of full restoration, right? The peace between God and man has been restored through Jesus Christ, but now we only see in part. We see dimly, right? We see as if we were looking in a dirty mirror. We don't see the full image of who we will be or who Christ is until that day when Jesus Christ reigns on the earth. So if we have peace and we have access to Christ at any moment and we have this real rest that we have access to, uh, then do we really need to take a day of rest? Do we need to take a day of rest? I would say yes, <laughs> yes. So now we're, we're finally all the way back around. Yes, because we forget. Because we forget. And we need to have a day set aside to look forward to the full restoration promised. It's good to rest. And we are designed that way. And I don't think, I don't think that ends, right? I think, you know, like heaven <laughs> had a lot of discussions this week. I was at a pastor's conference about heaven. Heaven is not like this, you know, playing harps in the clouds. Our ultimate heaven is here, a new heaven and a new earth where we live with new bodies for eternity. And we will continue to do work. We will continue to live our life. And I personally believe we will still see this six days of work and day of rest kind of mentality because it's God's design. It's his good design. It, we have it before the fall. I think we'll have it in the end. So we're still going to work. Some of you are like, oh, man, I was really learning to, you know, get some harp lessons or whatever. No. We're going to have work. We're designed to do that. So, but I think it's good for us then today to set a, a day aside. Let me read Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. This is talking about the Sabbath. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, Hebrews 4 is a really great resource. I encourage you to read through it where he unpacks a lot more of some nuances about the, the law, the Sabbath law. We don't have time to unpack. The key that I want you to get today is let us therefore strive to enter the rest. Let's strive to enter that rest that we have today. So how do we honor the Sabbath? How do we strive to enter God's rest? Well, let's get a little practical. What, what does taking a day of rest really look like? What does taking a day of rest look like? Is it sleeping all day? Catching up on all those Netflix 
binge-watching series that you've been wanting to go through? Is it cracking open a beer? I mean, what does it mean, right? What does a day of rest look like? And I think this is sometimes a little bit disheartening when you talk to Christians and they think, hey, you know what, man, I just, I can't, you know, I can't serve in church. I just, I can't, I need a day off. I need a day of rest. And I'm like, well, what are you doing on your day of rest? What, what, is it that? Is it watching Netflix? Is it sleeping all day? Because I would say, honestly, as one who's, has slept through most of a day or watched Netflix before in my life, how do you feel after that? Do you, do you wake up the next day thinking, ah, great, I feel rested. I'm so glad I spent 10 hours watching Netflix yesterday. I'm ready for the week. Usually not. Usually not. We don't feel that rested. We don't feel restored or energized or filled. We're not ready for the week ahead. So what is it? What does rest look like? Well, again, let's go back to the purpose, the ultimate purpose of rest. What is rest when God is talking about it? What is he beginning when he sets that day of rest in the, on the seventh day? It's to get us, let's get us, we need to get back to this original purpose of communion with God. Communion with God. We find rest when we're with him, not when we're doing other things. Not that those things are bad necessarily, not in themselves, they can be, but not in themselves. But it's not going to make you feel rested. It's not going to make you feel restored. It's not going to energize you for the week ahead. So do you, and I would say as a side question here then, to say, okay, we, we want to honor a day aside. Does it have to be Saturday? Is it the seventh day? Or is it now Sunday that we have to honor? Which one is it? Is, is there a specific day that we need to honor? I would say to be honest, I know some people have, some of the commentaries I've read said this, but I don't really see a good biblical reason for it necessarily. That uh, I don't think the Bible depicts that we've just moved the seventh, to, uh, the Saturday to Sunday. Like now, the Sabbath is on Sunday. I think that's actually not a good idea because they represent different things. The Sabbath is, actually has a lot of history to it and a lot of important representation for us to understand. Whereas the first day of the week in connection as the day of the Lord, it also has a lot of significance. And I think it's not really, we can't just apply that and say, okay, well, now we'll just move the Sabbath to Sunday, and we don't really see that in any context in Scripture in the New Testament. So I believe, of course, the ceremonial law of the Sabbath has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. We're no longer under that, so we don't need to go in that direction. Uh, and again, there's nothing in the New Testament that specifically commands us to honor any particular day. And if we look at the New Testament, we look at the early church, what did they do? Well, they just got together every day. They got to every. So I thought, from now on, we're just going to have church every day. So get ready. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you like, just white faces. What? Oh my goodness. So, what do we do then? How do we honor the Sabbath? Well, God has designed us for a seven-day week. And at least one day needs to be set aside to find rest through communion with our Creator. And I want to say for me what that means. I can tell you, Sunday, you know, they, they call Monday the pastor's uh, Sabbath I can tell you, though, for me, even though this is often, very often, the busiest, hardest day of my week, Sundays, I can tell you that serving God 
enjoying fellowship with my brothers and sisters, coming to the Lord's table in communion, and being filled with the Holy Spirit as we sing and worship with one voice together, this is, this is the most restful I feel. This is the most restful I feel. I feel filled and ready and prepared for the week ahead. Even if I'm physically exhausted sometimes, I feel spiritually filled when I'm serving my Lord, coming together with other believers. Let us strive to enter that rest. Let us strive, let us work to it. Here's a quote I found. I, wanted to, I thought about paraphrasing it, but I, I want to read it as a quote so you know it's not my words. So in our modern world of four or five day work weeks and generous vacation time, we're in Germany, so let's be honest, generous vacation time, surely more leisure time can be given to the work of the Lord. Amen, right? <laughs> no amens? All right. Jesus himself worked on the Sabbath, healing sick. He was ridiculed. He was hated for it. They hated, the Pharisees hated that he would do that, not obeying the rules. And in response to one of the times that happens when Jesus heals a man at, the, at a pool and tells him to get up and walk, and they're like, how dare you do that? John 5, 16 through 17, Jesus says, and this, so, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working. My father is working until now, and I am working. Whew, isn't that good news? That's good news, guys. That's really good news. I'm so glad that God doesn't literally stop everything one day of the week. It's like, all right, well, you know, if you're going to pray, make sure it's within God's working hours. God is working. God is working. Jesus is working. You say, I need rest. Well, where do you find rest? You guys remember? We talked about it. With Christ. You find rest in him. Bring your anxiety, your fears, your stress, your doubts, your tiredness. Bring it to him. And he says what? Give it to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Not just like, you know, sleeping in an extra hour. Rest for your souls. A rest that comes from within and fills us with strength. He will give you rest. And so, well, where's Jesus? He's working. So the best way to get close to Christ is to join him in the work that he's called us to do. That's where we find rest. That's why we come together. That's why, and it's not just, I'm not just talking about, you know, it, I know there's, I think there's aspects of that of like really getting into it and working for Christ. But man, that's why we come, come together and we serve here in a community. You know, you're not just there to fill a seat. We don't need seat warmers. We need believers who are ready to be filled, Right? To go into the world and make disciples of the nations and to be joined together in communion as his people. This is where we will find rest. This is where we will be energized and encouraged and strengthened for the week ahead and the months ahead and the years ahead. If you want to fight the good fight, it's best to be next to Christ. And thank God that he doesn't take a day off. So I would add to this, it is good. It's a good thing. 
to make Sunday a day of rest. It's a good thing to make Sunday a day of rest. I don't think it's a law. I don't think it's something that we're under obligation to do. But we do have an obligation to come together as believers. We do have an obligation to worship him and to sing his praises together. And we do have an obligation to surrender our life to him and to work alongside our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and to be equipping ourselves and one, in, and one another and to be sharpening each other as believers. So the best way to do that is to take a day in the week that's already been marked off Set it aside for coming together as one body to join in communion with our Creator and be filled and to find rest. There is rest found in worshiping our God and serving Him with one another in all that we do. Romans 12.1 brings it down to every aspect of our life. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship this is what we want to do this is why we come together we want to surrender ourselves in all that we do and when we come together we have the special filling as we are in communion with one another in communion with him so we don't need just longer vacations. We don't just need more sleep or more Netflix or, and I would say even exercise, even good things. It's not, those are good things. Still exercise. But don't look to that to find your, your in, to, be, to be replenished, to be refreshed. Find the rest that's a rest for your soul. There is a rest that we are designed to, re- to receive. A rest found only through communion with God, only through communion with our Creator. And this communion is only possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ and through the filling of the Holy Spirit as we have that relationship. So again, I I take Mondays as my family day because Sundays can be very full and I do have a calling to lead my family in wisdom and to raise up my kids well and to lead my wife and so I need to have that extra day otherwise the rest of all my week would be full but I know that it is Sundays that fills me that gives me rest and strength for the week ahead I love it I love coming here and being with you guys I love coming here and serving I love coming here and giving up my time so that I can be filled and find rest as I am here with Christ. He is here with us in our midst. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Through Christ, we are made holy, sanctified, and we are invited into God's rest. In Revelations, we read that this rest will be complete. And we'll no longer feel stress or strain, and even work will be a joy. That sounds awesome. I look forward to it. It says that even that uh, when we work, we will not work the earth by the sweat of our brow. That's under the curse. We'll no longer be under that. So we won't get tired. Our physical bodies won't get tired. But we're not there yet. I don't know. I'm not. Maybe you feel that way. Until that day, though, let's set one day aside in our week to be purposeful in finding rest through communion with God, through gathering together as God's people, and through the work of ministry. And as we follow Christ, being renewed in our strength and the rest that is found in Him alone, because His grace is always sufficient. Amen.
Amen. I invite the band to come up as I close with prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your work. I thank you for your word today that we can read and learn and grow in our understanding of our rest that is found in you. And I thank you, Father, that we are so blessed today to live in the time that we do, to live in a time of this of redemption, a time where this relationship is restored. Lord, where your law is written on our hearts, we don't have to submit uh, to something outside of ourselves, but it is you who changes us from within. I thank you that you would mold us and shape us to desire your rest and to find our rest in you first and foremost, and to strengthen each other in this as we grow together as a body of believers. In Jesus' name, amen.